Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And once again, I'm so excited to be here today. Welcome to the Firetime Podcast. Now, in today's episode, we're going to be continuing the conversation about the 10 steps to perfectly execute a job, and I'm super excited about this week. So this week, we have Grant back on, and we are going to be talking about step six and step seven. So step six in the process is receiving and staging. This has to do with your warehouse. Once product is purchased, the way that we receive it in the warehouse, the way that it is stored and then staged to get ready for an upcoming job is a really big deal. And this is something that a lot of companies just gloss over. We'll we'll talk more about this in a second, but step six is incredibly important. Step seven is actually the confirmation call. So before we go out to do an installation, it's really important that a confirmation call is done. And you could substitute call for email. I think that, I think that, you know, doing both of those things is going to be incredibly effective. But as we think about this 10 step execution process, we're building and building and building and building to the installation. And the installation is going to be really where the payoff happens, both for the customer and for our business. And in order to do that, steps six and seven of this process are a big, big deal. I can think about companies that I've worked for in the past that didn't really stage product at all, right? They might've kept stuff on the shelves, but when it came time for an installer to pick it up, or, you know, even for me as an installer, sometimes it would be the day of, I would go through the warehouse, pull product off the shelves, put it on the truck, and hopefully we had everything. As I've gone into work with companies, a lot of the time, they might keep a lot of inventory, but because it's not staged properly to get ready for an installation, what it does is it opens up a possibility for parts to go missing or for something unforeseen to not be caught. When we start staging products before the installation and we're checking and double checking, it's really what starts to set us up for success. Now, the next step in the process, once we have received product, we've verified it's in and we have it staged and ready for the installation, the next step is that confirmation call. And this is our last chance to confirm expectations. You know, very often we will be content to just go out to a job site even if we didn't get a hold of the customer ahead of time because we quote unquote confirmed it whenever the initial installation was booked. But that could have been, you know, a month, two months, three months ago. The confirmation call is a really big deal. And and it's not as simple as saying, hey, the crew's going to be out at 8 a.m. on Friday. We want to make sure that we're confirming expectations, right? Who's going to be on site? What is the payment situation? Here are the need to knows about the permitting process. When our installers leave, the job will be complete or the job will be incomplete and we'll have a return trip on this date. There's a lot of different things that need to go into the confirmation call. And by showing intentionality on this, I'm I'm telling you, it can elevate your business above everybody else and also like really cement your customer experience as an amazing one. We can do everything right leading up to the installation. And if one thing goes sideways, the whole job can be sunk. But by 
taking advantage of the confirmation call, what happens is we can choose how expectations are communicated and managed. And, and as we talked to Grant here, man, they just have an awesome system of how they do this. So I'm going to jump out of the way and I'll get back on after the conversation with a few takeaways. But in the meantime, I hope you enjoy this conversation on steps six and seven of the execution process. Joining me once again from Spokane, Washington is Grant Falco. Grant, super excited to be continuing this series with you. Thanks again for being here today. Hey, Tim. Thanks for having me once again. Yeah, I'm excited about this, man. This execution process is it's transformative and, and we are getting into the thick of it right now. So we spent the last few episodes talking through steps one through five, which bring us from the customer's entry point in the showroom all the way up to where the salesperson follows up, we schedule the job, we purchase the product, and now we move on to the warehouse, step six, which is receiving and staging. I know that this is a really big deal for you. I've seen you personally work with a lot of business owners in their warehouse, and I know that this is where you believe profit dollars are hidden and you know all kinds of, of inefficiency lives. So I want to talk to you about receiving and staging, but first off... Can, can you just talk about, like, I guess when I, when I think about it, like one of the big problems that companies run into is that products are missing and they're not verified prior to the installation. So that kind of sets us up from failure from the get-go, right? No question. I think we think of it as a pretty simple task. I mean, what's the task? You identify something that's sold, you pull it, the computer says we have it, and... Uh, the install team picks it up the next day. And it is a simple task, but there's so many moving parts to your retail business, whether it's a will call out the door, whether it's a delivery or whether it's an install. And there's all sorts of accessories or options that go along with that. And what I found once I took over as GM and and dealt with a lot of the mistakes or complaints on the backside that a lot of our problems came down to how we basically staged and held the product that was sold. And uh, once we started to to be a little bit more intentional about that simple process, a lot of things changed for us. And the result was was really that we just weren't missing a lot of things. And even, Tim, not just missing a lot of things, we were solving the problems that we ran into when we had everything. Yeah. So like you, you and I have talked about JIC or just-in-case venting kits. And the only reason we have just-in-case venting kits was because we had a system and a process that still wasn't covering everything. And if we've installed in this industry, we realize we can pull a single-story pipe package, but it doesn't always go together in the sections that you chose. So having a process allows you to remove more obstacles with things like that. So it really does. As simple as it is, it allows you to add to it. Oh, I'm, I'm with you 100%. You know, I think about this. I, I, I had time myself as an installer for a number of years, and I can't tell you how many situations that I went out on where I was a helper, I wasn't the lead installer, and we would have stuff missing, right? A part that was on the order wasn't on the truck. And very often, the lead installer would blame 
my boss, the owner of the company and complain that, you know, it was, it was his fault. You know, not that we had any responsibility for the stuff that we loaded into our own truck, of course, you know, and then, and then, you know, fast forward as I, as I, as I moved on to, to different companies to be with, and I switched over to the sales side, I found that a lot of the problems of, of, you know, jobs that we ran into was because, well, wait, this didn't get converted. We thought it did. Wait, wasn't that in the warehouse? Wait, but it it didn't get loaded onto the pallet to go out with the guys that day. You know, we've all had these things come up. And for the longest time, I was just, you know, baffled as to why this stuff happens. And the reason why is because there was no system or process to double check that things were correct. And I, I think that with a lot of companies you know, whether it's because they're tight on warehouse space or they haven't thought about it this way before, even the word staging is like, wait, what's that even, what's that even mean? Can can you, can you define what staging is and why it's so important? That's, I mean, I've never been asked to describe it like, or to, to give a definition for it, but basically it's a holding area for the product that you have, you have, you have committed to customers. And then it has the next step. And the cool part about staging is we talk about systems of of accountability and it's, there's so many things that come to a head at this point that staging is actually what corrects all the problems that happen leading up to the point. And we'll talk about it in more detail, but like Tim, you were just talking about it. Order. You don't, you didn't get the pieces ordered in time. We didn't get the pieces ordered at all. We ordered wrong pieces. The wrong pieces were pulled. How do you solve those problems if you don't have a way you stage it and a way you actually intentionally go through it so that you know when those mistakes are made, that they're actually being made, and then you have a chance to correct them. And I think that's the, the end all be all is when, when we're at the receiving and staging point of the 10 step execution, it's really when a ton of things come to a head between yeah. ordering, you know, purchaser, uh, uh, job walk estimator, all their information comes to a head. And we'd be silly to think that there's not going to be mistakes along the way. The amazing part about step six is it's like the, the double check on all the product and you got to yeah. take it seriously to make sure. And it's not just like a double check. It's a double check and a triple check. Like you said, checking it back onto the truck is also uh, another uh, verification you need to do. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that staging is the backstop. Like this, this is where you catch mistakes before finding out in the customer's house. Yep. And uh, you know, for many companies, they're going too fast to take this seriously. And they think I don't have time. I don't have warehouse space. I don't have staff. And I get that all of those are constraints, but the truth is by focusing in on staging, you're going to save so many problems and headaches on the back end that you are literally not going to know what to do with the extra time on your hands. Because, you know, how often, again, do you go out to a job without a decorative front or with the wrong piece of vent pipe or when it wasn't converted? And I know, you know, I used to roll the dice all the time on that stuff being like, okay, like, we'll just hope that front comes in. We're going to keep it on the schedule. But then for me as a salesperson, I get busy doing something else. The scheduler's busy doing something else. The warehouse person is out sick that day. So, you know, they weren't looking for the part to come in and the installers go out to the job with missing stuff. Like this happens all the time. And I love this step because this step of receiving and staging it, it will catch so many problems before they, you know, rear up in, in your face. And, and it, this, I mean, this will transform your company. And what it comes down to is a principal grant we've talked about called yellow zone and red zone staging. And what I'd like you to do is to define those, but 
I know that you also have a, a couple different sections of how you like a warehouse laid out. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So first of all, I'll talk about the sections in the warehouse and every business is a little bit different. And I realize there's chimney sweeps who listen to this, hearth retailers, barbecue companies. Um, so there's there's different variations of this, but when it comes down to product categories, you know, you want to build a hierarchy and, and start at the top and then work your way down. And I really think there's only a few sections in a warehouse. So you obviously have your whole goods. And I would say whole goods that are in stock. So Maybe you don't, as a dealer, stock the inventory, but some do, and I would say maybe even most do. If you have stocking inventory, you have a spot for all stocking inventory. Then your next spot is all the accessories. If you've decided that you are going to stock a certain amount of product to stay ahead of the curve that we're currently dealing with or just in general run a business, you have to also stock the accessories or options that are most likely to be sold with that product. So you would have a stove accessory in an option area. So stove whole good or fireplace whole good and stove or fireplace uh, accessory or options. Your third spot would be venting and you just carry all whatever venting you have organized in pellet vent, gas vent, or wood vent. If you have those three stages set up, you can, uh, you know, basically reorganize your warehouse to encompass those and know where everything is going to be at. Uh, there's a few other areas in the warehouse, like waiting for final waiting for order because you're going to order stuff in and we'll talk about yellow zone and red zone. You're going to order stuff in that is not in stock and is also not ready to be pulled yet. And where do you stage that? So there's different areas throughout the warehouse that can be a little, that we can get into a little bit more granularly, but for the most part, whole goods, fireplace accessories, and venting are the three main uh, components that make up your warehouse. Yeah, I've seen you take this model and show it to companies and it's awesome because it, it really makes it simple and there's a lot that you can do inside of those categories. And once you have those categories of whole goods, accessories, and vent pipe, now you move into staging. So what what the, the terms that we've coined are yellow zone and red zone staging. And this has to do with how we stage in the two weeks leading up to an installation. And I love for you to define these. And I'll, and I'll say this, people are going to hear this and think, I can't dedicate this much warehouse space to this. And I think that the answer is, again, like a lot of things, you can't afford not to dedicate this much warehouse space towards it. Not saying it's easy, but this idea of yellow zone, red zone, it's, it's really important because of what it's going to save you on the back end. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've been in the dealers, Tim, and we, we hear of all the problems and there's so many problems that can be avoided with, with this simple step, uh, having staging be a step and receiving be and staging being a step. You have to think about when I receive a product, is it a product that is going into, into inventory or is it a product that's sold? And really that has to be a decision made right then and there. If you have a whole good area, a fireplace accessor area, and a venting area, and you order, let's say, venting to keep supply, it goes into the venting stock area. The reason it's so important to have staging is because you have to have somewhere to put the product that is sold, whether it's will call, whether it's delivery, whether it's installs. And if you have product that is, you know, places for in stock, but you don't have places for product that's sold, it gets mixed up. And that's when we're asking for problems. So when I'll, I'll take it back a few years where I was actually 
I would say even as, as, as recent as six or seven years ago, me and uh, another gentleman in the store were basically sharing warehouse. And in order to minimize the mistakes we were making and to make sure everything was getting loaded on correctly, we came up with, we pull everything two weeks out. No question, everything two weeks out. And we'll just mix and, and, and change it up if, it, if things get canceled. The reason, as simple as, as you can think about it is, hey, if we have two weeks out, we pull the product, we at least have time to rectify that mistake before the install. Now, given the current environment and climate, maybe we don't. Maybe with supply issues, we don't have the two weeks. But the two weeks gives you a structure to take from pre-staging, just where product's sold and it sits in an area. You take it into the two weeks out, which we call yellow zone. It's really important that you actually physically pull everything and account for it. And once it's complete, you wrap it up. Now, the cool part about the yellow zone or two weeks out is you're giving your business a parameter. The yellow zone, there should be uh, some communication that's happening maybe with the customer, maybe not, but that conversation should be happening within on, we don't have this product. We're two weeks out. We're missing this one thing. It puts your team in a position to solve that problem and solve it within that two weeks. The reason red zone's so important is if you haven't solved that problem in that two weeks, you need to call the customer ahead of time, preferably days ahead of time, not hours, and let them know you got to reschedule because something unfortunately is not coming in. The key to this though, like Tim said, is you know having enough warehouse space, it doesn't take a lot, but it does take more than you'd think to stage it out the 10 days and to constantly be pulling jobs up. And the key to this is verifying the jobs every single day. Because installs are kind of the bread and butter of our business, but a lot of times a sale on a weekend of a wood stove that needs that front can mess up that Monday install. Because it's not tagged, it's either back in stock on the inventory level or it's tagged, but it's not wrapped up and hidden. So the salesperson takes it off and we'll, we'll figure the other thing out later. Those are the problems you want to avoid. And going with yellow zone two weeks out and red zone one week out, it allows for a process that systematically solves those problems you encounter so often. Yeah. We've talked about this a little bit in the Firetime magazine, the idea that, you know, you literally want to make boxes in yellow you know, tape or paint and red tape or paint on your warehouse floor if you can. And you've got you know, five boxes in the yellow zone, which is the Monday through Friday, two weeks out, and then five boxes for the red zone, which is the Monday through Friday, the week of. So when you're starting this out, if you start on a Monday, you're pulling the job that's going to be installed on the Monday, two weeks from now. And you are, you might have some missing pieces, but you pull everything that you can. And then the next day on Tuesday, you pull everything forward one row. You try to add any of the miscellaneous parts and pieces that weren't there. And then you pull the new stuff for the job that following 10 days out and everything gets moved forward day after day. And what I've heard you say, Grant, is that literally every job is checked 10 times by the time it makes it all the way to the front red zone. But one thing that's really helpful, this rule is going to sound crazy, but if you're getting ready to move something from the yellow zone to the red zone, so you've, you've, you've been looking uh, as it's been moving ahead on the five days in the yellow zone and everything is complete. What you do is you shrink wrap the whole thing and move it into the red zone. And then 
every day in the red zone, you pull it forward. As long as that shrink wrap hasn't been disturbed, you know that all the parts are there. But if you're going to be transitioning something from the yellow zone to the red zone and it's missing anything, our recommendation is that you reschedule the job. And you might say like, well, but we know we're going to get that front in time. We know we can get that piece of vent pipe. And I would say it's not worth it because with shipping delays and and ETAs changing, what you don't want to do is waste a day because you're waiting on a decorative front or you're waiting on that 48-inch adjustable piece of pipe. It would be better instead a week out to pull it, call the customers. They've got a week notice versus day of you call them and cancel or even worse, you cancel when you're halfway through the job in their living room. But what will happen as well is now you can pull something else forward, something else that was in the yellow zone or the red zone, you can pull it forward to that day. And I know, Grant, that you've talked a lot about maximizing the schedule and that idea of yellow zone and red zone, it, it sounds like an investment because it is, but that mentality of going slow and diligent over time is going to make for a lot better jobs. There's, there's, you know, Tim, I, he, you explain it so well. I, I'm always envious of the way you explain things and, and you are exactly right. The, the system of accountability of just pulling it up from one to the other allows to solve so many different problems. I feel like, you know, we have to go through these problems and isolate these problems and see what we run into in order to correct it. And I think putting it in red zone and yellow zone, you know, allows you to run it and then yeah. figure out the mistakes you're making. And and I can't tell you how many times we've checked it five times, Tim. Like, so it started out at out two weeks. It moved through that whole first week. And right before it transitions from yellow zone to red zone, we have a, we have a manager just double check right before it gets wrapped up. Well, guess what? Maybe the thimble wasn't insulated. Yeah. Maybe the cap is a regular cap, not a deluxe cap. There's all these little things. And especially if you're pulling a lot of stuff every single day that you just take for granted and you almost overlook it. This information is a lot as you grow. But if you don't start as with one crew doing this, you can't get to three or four crews effectively. We send out our 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 warehouse assistant who pulls all jobs, he follows this to a T. He sends out an email every day and it has written on it, job name, when it's installed and what's missing. And he writes it down every day. Even if it's the same piece missing every day, he involves the coordinator purchaser and salespeople. It creates a dialogue that allows us to say, okay, we're not going to get it. We need to pull the plug. But Tim, I want to add right now, we don't have a lot of options and pulling the plug sometimes is not what you want to do. Yeah. And having a system like this tells you the information you need to make the right decisions. And what I'm talking about is we have a supply issue, obviously, and we're not getting maybe some fronts or we have stocked up on a ton of whole goods. And so I'll be running up against a week and I'll have three installations that are missing their front or their surround. You know what? Right now, I'm going to install it. Why? Because I can't guarantee when that stuff's going to come in and I don't have anything to fill it because of the supply issue. So I go out there and I make the decision because that face is cosmetic to install it right now and the return trip is worth it. Yeah, I would never do that two or three years ago. But right now, at least we have the information to say, Hey, everything's in stock to make this thing functional. We just are going to come back in a couple of weeks to put the front on. We don't want to wait for it and there's nothing to move up. It gives you all the information to make the best decision for your team. 
that's really good because you're you're like you said you're making a call based on the economic situation that you're dealing with and that's a lot different than driving with a blindfold on and saying well i hope we got it all oh gosh dang it what happened there right you're going in with your eyes wide open saying okay i've got all the information in front of me and we are not dealing with a perfect world right here so this is the call we're going to make it's documented we we know what we're going to do um you know, it's the difference. I was thinking about this uh, in a in a video I filmed today for our word of the week in the Firetime Network about the idea of band aids that are dirty versus clean band aids. We were having a, a team meeting this morning. We were talking about when long term issues come up. There's kind of a few different scenarios you can have. Like you can option one choose to continue to deal with pain until there's a long term solution in place. Option two is you can put a clean band aid on and say, hey, we know that this is not the long-term solution, this is a Band-Aid, but we are in the middle of working on the long-term solution. Or option three is you can slap a dirty Band-Aid on, forget about it, and it gets infected, and you deal with it, you know, in spades down the road. Yeah. And, I, and, and what you just described is a clean Band-Aid. So in this situation, like, you could cancel the job, and that means that you have to endure pain until there's a long-term solution, right, until that front comes in. But what you're doing is you're saying, we're putting a clean Band-Aid on this, we're verifying everything else is perfect and we are going to go out to do it, but we're not forgetting about it. We're not sweeping this under the rug. It's documented and it's intentional versus the dirty bandaid of just, well, hopefully, you know, we'll just let you know when that front comes in and we forget about it. It's not documented. It's not part of the process. And then it festers and festers. You forget about it. There's more delays and you have a furious customer on your hands. Yeah. You know, one thing that I just, everything that you just said there is just so awesome. And I love the analogy of band-aids. I, I think about like the, the, the installer's journey, like they start their day. They've just had a long few days the last thing they need to be worried about is pulling their jobs. The last thing they need no to kidding. be worried about is getting the right things. That is our company's responsibility because it's hard enough already to be an installer in the field, especially if things aren't set up. But think about we go out to a job, average sale right now, what, five to 6,500, 5,600 probably for average hearth retailer. You're going out there, and if you just miss one thing on that ticket, if you don't have the front on there and you haven't communicated to the customer, guess what? No matter how amazing a job you do, it's going to be mediocre because you've already taken huge steps back from the very beginning. And I think that there's, I call them buzz kills. I know there's better terminology for it, but how many buzz kills can we avoid by just making sure we get the order right? And I, yeah. I tell you what. This is a problem that is not addressed in our industry. This is almost oh, yeah. a problem that we've just chalked up to be okay. Like this oh, well, is okay. I mean we've seen we have we've seen people that are hired as the quote unquote firefighter in a business and it's their job full time to go run that piece of pipe out, to go to the distributor to get it. And we're sitting there going like like if you're hiring for this position, that is not a good thing. We'll get back to our conversation with Grant Falco in just one second. Hey, if you've been paying attention to this podcast, you know that earlier this year, we launched the Firetime Magazine, a digital magazine made for and by the fireplace industry. And 
I'm super excited to tell you about what we have coming up in the future for the Firetime Magazine. So starting a couple of months ago, we dipped our toe in the water with audio articles, and the response has been tremendous. A lot of people said, hey, I love the magazine, but it takes a long time to read. I'm in my service truck, and I wish I had more time. So what we've done is, in each of the last few issues, we've taken a few articles and put them together in an audio format, and the response has just been overwhelming. So, starting in 2022, in every issue of the Firetime Magazine, we'll have each article available in an audio format. So, going forward, we'll have the Firetime Magazine available in the digital format that you're used to, in audio articles, and we are looking at doing a printed journal in 2022. And what we're looking at doing is making a journal that specifically outlines the different departments of your fireplace company with specific content on each one. More on that later, but we cannot wait to put this out. If you have not been paying attention to the Firetime Magazine, shame on you. You need to go to thefiretimemagazine.com and start reading or listening today. Now that we've gotten to the point of staging, we mark it in the yellow zone, we check it every single day, pulling it forward, pulling it forward, pulling it forward, and we make that decision about moving it to the red zone, we shrink wrap it, and again, like, there's nothing missing. If if we're in a situation like we are right now with COVID where we're going to make a choice to install something without a decorative front, we're going in with our eyes wide open. We've got a full week's notice to set expectations with the customer. It's not we're showing up day of going, oh yeah, that, that decorative front didn't come in. So, you know, we'll, we'll bring it in soon. That That's a really bad customer experience. So now that we've gone to step six, I want to hit step seven before this episode's over, and that's the confirmation call. So we stage the job, but in the days prior to the installation, we need to confirm it. And, and the, the problem that we run into as an industry is that confirmation calls do not confirm expectations if they're made at all. They might confirm that something is happening in three days, but they don't confirm expectations, oh, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've met with companies that don't even confirm a scope of work. Like, if you're not confirming a scope of work, they have no idea what you're doing. They don't know what your quote means. They just know you're putting a wood stove in or a gas insert in. If they don't know how you're doing it or what is going to happen, then they are going to be left to... M- decide what that is. And you have a point of contention. If those expectations aren't lined up in scope of work or whatever else, then you end up getting, you know, what I'm calling buzzkills through the installation process. Tim, honestly, the confirmation call is one of the most pivotal points in your installation process. You know, we talked about at step six, everything comes to a head. Oh, at step sevens when everything comes to a head because all the communication has been done. All the expectations have already been set up, right? I mean, if we go back to the, to the steps, like we're, we're doing a bid, uh, an estimate, and we're, we're sending them an email with everything written out in a scope of work. We're CCing the salesperson. The salesperson then's following up and they're doing, they're documenting that they went through this with them and that they're getting it, passing it on to scheduling all the information should have already be regurgitated to them. Now at the confirmation point, you won't be, you won't believe how often it truly is like maybe the first time they've heard it or that they remember the certain information. The really important part of the confirmation is to cover majority of the information, 
all the crucial points and do it just a few days before the job. Right now we're doing it about three days before the job and there's a balancing act and we're pretty relentless about it. We make sure we make contact with with them simply because the job will go better if we do. But confirmation calls are literally the most important part of the installation because I can't tell you how often, Tim, I'll be in a meeting, we'll have an urgent incomplete, and I'll look at them and say, what's this urgent incomplete? We'll we'll work through it, and oftentimes I'm like, how was that not understood if we did a sales follow-up, we also did a confirmation call, how was that not set up? Well, we talked to a different person. Yeah. You, you know, there's different things that happen. And that, again, allows you to tighten it up. We make sure we're talking to the same people throughout now. But yep. man, confirmation call is just so important for that, the success yeah. of the installation. You know, and, I, and I've seen the full gambit. So, so I've, you know, the companies I've worked for, I've worked for companies that didn't do confirmation calls and, and companies that did. But what happened very often was that the confirmation call was confirming the install. And to go back to the point earlier, it wasn't confirming expectations. And there's a difference there. So totally. in your view, I know that you've got a few things a confirmation call should do. Like, like what, what are the basic things a confirmation call should do? So you first need to review your order or if it's line itemed out each and every charge that you're charging them for, not just the total. You need to review your scope of work. The scope of work is the, what you're charging for on the labor side. It's what you're doing. And they need to know what you're doing. They need to know that you're going to be in and out of that utility room uh, a, a number of times or crawl space or on the roof. They need to understand exactly what we're doing at their house. Uh, we can talk about what that means and what that looks like. I'm not talking, you, you say that they're going to be in and out of the utility room 10 times, but we're going to tie into the gas piping in the utility room above the furnace needs to be discussed with the consumer. They might have a bunch of stuff down there that they need to move or whatnot. We need yep. to confirm the scope of work. Then you would review payment, which I know pretty much if you're doing confirmation calls, that's one of the things that you're reviewing. And if you're pulling permits, which you should, you need to review what the review what the permit process is. It's really important, especially that you review it at the confirmation and then review it one more time before you even start the installation so the customer fully understands they have to call for the permit, or at least in Spokane they do. And then review any need to knows. Like, uh, you know, there was a, a hearth pad that uh, is just coming in on Thursday. We expect to get it and we'll get it right before your installation. Just so you know, if we don't get it that day, we'll bring it out to you. Or uh, it's okay. You've, you've approved not having a face come out on the install. We just want to make sure that was okay with you. And we'll get out there a couple weeks later to make any need to knows. You have, you know, X uh, owing on your uh, deposit or your, your balance. And, and we need that to be paid. Any of the need to knows uh, would be the final uh, part you would go through. Yeah, and I, I think even just the obvious ones too, like, hey, when you get your wood stove for the first couple of hours that it burns, you're going to have some paint fumes and smoke coming off of it. You know, totally. leave a window open, make sure that you turn your smoke alarm off, like all of that stuff. We want to document it. And and if we think about this, like I'm just going back through this list, like number one, review the order. Has that been done before? Like you bet. That was actually done back on step three when the salesperson called to follow up. 
But how long ago was that? I mean, in the COVID world, I mean, maybe best case, it was three, four weeks ago, but maybe it's two, three months. So like the customer's forgotten about it. Or they make changes in the meantime, Tim. 100%. You know, how often do they decide to upgrade that face? We need to confirm that new face. And maybe it's not on there yet. And when they confirm it, they're like, no, painted front's not yeah. the face. We we decided to go with the mission front. Yep, front. there you go. So we, we've done this at step three with the salesperson confirming everything. We've done it at step four with the scheduler talking to the customer about scheduling the job, but now we've done it right before we go out. And and this is really powerful because again, this is setting up the install. So we're reviewing the order. So if the customer's like, wait a minute, I thought there was a remote control on that. We have a much better chance of catching it now that we're talking to the customer than we would if we just did nothing. And that expectation just sat and, and festered, right? Review the scope of work. 100%. This goes back to what the estimator writes up on step two. We need a written scope of work. We will install a wood insert into the corner of the basement we will be running the vent pipe out through the wall approximately five feet high before going up along the side of the house and through the eave up above we will be flashing the pipe to make sure nothing leaks and attaching a roof brace to the pipe so that it doesn't get blown around by the wind, whatever it is. But like, you need to write that scope of work out for the customer. And again, this gets read to them back at step three, back at step four. And again, right now, because we're actually setting up the installer to read it to them in person for the next step. We review payment. I mean, I, I know of so many jobs this would have saved me a headache on if, if I would have just done it years ago. It's like, hey, who's going to be available on site for payment? And this is the balance that's due. Like, take care of that over the phone so it's so that it's not shell shocking the customer when you get out there and then any need to knows it's a really basic step but just like you said grant like step six and seven right here i mean this this is like i'm just going back to the analogy of like the relay race right we've been talking about this whole process like an olympic relay race and if every single one of these steps is like passing the baton in some ways the the receiving and staging and the confirmation call, it's like getting into the blocks before the race. Like the installation, like that is like, that is truly when it's showtime, right? So so staging in the confirmation call would be like getting into the blocks, but like you only use one block and like you're still trying to like tie your running shoes when the gun goes off. It's not going to work because again, like you're just, you're not set up to run properly and it's no wonder that you're tripping all over yourself. I, I think that these steps are, are vastly undervalued and you know, if a company can make the investment into this series of confirmation calls and staging, it's going to change things. No question. You know, Tim, you and I talk about managing expectations or setting up expectations all the time. And uh, it's like, it's the end all be all. I mean, I gave my first presentation was the seven steps to a perfect installation. And what were the seven steps, Tim? Yeah, manage expectations. The entire time, right? One of the things that I want to address and make sure is this is also a confidence builder. So there's two people that you need to be building confidence in, in this, in this process, right? And the first one is your customer. They need to know that you're on it and how you handle them leading up to the job is reflective of the job you're going to do. And also we are in a tough position to hire, train and retain fireplace installers that 
really are, it's difficult. And a lot of times, especially if you're pushing it and try to keep three or four or five installation crews, some of the installation crews maybe don't have the experience you would expect. It's your job to understand that and set them up with the most amount of confidence. They need to know you're doing this. That's my point. The installers need to know that you're confirming after the bid of all this product. They need to know that you're confirming this. They need to have symbols on that paperwork that they're reviewing that gives them confidence. So when that customer says something slightly different, they are confident about what is going on. You spoke to the installer that you worked with would always blame the owner. Well, sometimes we're just talking to the wrong person that doesn't have the information. And the, the confidence in which you can establish with your installers is so important so that they're only dealing with true installation obstacles, not just standard business obstacles. Grant, this is so good. I, I know that these steps are powerful, and, and my hope is that people can start addressing them right away. I'm super excited to tackle the last three steps of the process with you. I am as well, Tim. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Grant Falco. Every time I get to go through this execution process, I, I just take more and more away. I mean, going through this, there's a couple of things that I want to hit. I hope that the idea of the yellow zone and red zone for staging makes sense. You know, that terminology to me is so crystal clear. This idea that we have, we have two sections of our warehouse and literally I would recommend marking them out in yellow and marking them out in red, but the yellow zone is the work five to 10 business days out. And then the red zone is zero to five business days out. You might think I don't have space for this. And I definitely understand that space is, is hard to come by, but it, it would be worth making concessions to do this. If, if, if you can at least do the red zone and maybe you have a different way with the yellow zone to, to, you know, stage somewhere, maybe along your walls or with your racking. But what, what this does is it makes things visible when stuff is hidden it, it, it festers and, and, and it will, you know, mistakes will, will get passed through that get discovered in the customer's living room. When your jobs are visible before they go out, you, you, it just forces accountability of like, wait a minute, are we missing a piece of vent pipe? Oh, this was supposed to get converted to liquid propane. You know what? The decorative front's not here. Hey, that box doesn't look right. We better check to make sure that front isn't damaged. It's not going to get you out of every situation in the sense that, Products will still not come in on time. There will still be shipping damage that you don't catch, but there will be a lot of mistakes that you head off at the pass. And and doing this, even inadvertently, like it buys you grace with your customer because you have a process of how you do this. You can explain that to the, to the customer, and and it it I, I think that it just it buys you a lot of credibility. The idea of moving from the yellow zone to the red zone. I mentioned that in a non-COVID world. The idea is that if everything is not in stock a week before the installation, it doesn't go to the red zone. You reschedule it. And that sounds harsh, and, and it is. There would be situations where you might be able to pass that work through and get that piece of pipe, get that decorative front in in time. But, you know, in, in my opinion, again, we're talking in a non-COVID world, it's not worth it. You've got other work that you can use to backfill that position. You have one week to figure out the schedule and better to push the job back than to risk the day of it's not ready and you have nothing to fill it with. Now, in a COVID world, I think that Grant's nuance on this point is really important that he might make the decision as a business owner to say, we don't have the decorative front, but we're going to make the conscious decision 
to go out there without it because we're going to make a return trip. But the beauty of this is that you're making that call a week ahead of time. Now, thinking about this next step being the confirmation call, because we haven't made the confirmation call yet, now when we make the confirmation call, again, we can set expectations to the customer. Hey, Mr. Jones. Hey, Mrs. Jones. We're still planning on coming out on Friday at 8 a.m. to do the installation. Just wanted to let you know that due to the pandemic, there have been some delays and the decorative front for your fireplace isn't here. So we're going to go ahead and do all the rest of the work. And then the second it comes in, we're going to have a team member come out to your house to install that for you. You know, it's so much better for that expectation to get set a week ahead of time than the customer to find out the day of, oh yeah, by the way, we don't have this. Not sure when it's going to come in, but we'll let you know. You know, that that idea of, of, you know, prepare for the job, prepare for the job, prepare for the job and set expectations is really powerful. You know, If you go through the list of things that a confirmation call should include, right? Like review the order. I mean, how many times would, I'm just thinking about my my own, you know, background, you know, five, 10 years ago, how many problems would I have been able to avoid if before the installation, the customer was called and we reviewed the parts on the order? I mean, I mean, even down to like the color of the stove, the fuel type, I mean, these are things that we, we want to make sure that we talk about ahead of time, review the scope of work. You know, we're going to be installing the fireplace in the back corner of your living room, running a vent pipe out the wall, approximately five feet high along the side of the house. This is really important because just like Grant said, if a customer doesn't know specifically what is being done, I guarantee that their expectations of, of what's going to happen are probably going to be different than your crews. And this can lead to tension, you know, review the payment and the permit and then any need to knows. This is really powerful. And, and I know that as we've gone into companies and talked about it, the confirmation call is a step that's easy to look over or it's easy to think we do it right. I've worked for companies that do confirmation calls where really all they do is they confirm the, the time of the installation, you know, going that extra step of, of, managing and setting expectations, it allows you to keep yourself in the driver's seat versus let the car drive without anyone at the wheel, just assuming that things are going to, are going to go well. So I, I hope that this was impactful for you. These two steps don't sleep on them. Even if you think I don't have time to dedicate to this, there's somewhere you can start. Maybe you start with just the red zone. Maybe, maybe you start by saying I, right now I'm too busy, but what I can do is I can make sure that everything gets pulled 48 hours before the installation, right? So at least you've got a two-day window of trying to pivot if you need to, and you can build from there. As we as we talk about this, these steps, I, I believe that these steps are something that, that like, I'm not going to say they're totally infallible, but I mean, if you follow these steps, the steps will take you to success. And And what will happen is when problems come up, you'll be able to identify it. So the problems that happen in this process, you know, they, they don't happen because the steps of the process were wrong. They happen because of things out of our control, right? Delays, supply issues, and installer calls in sick. They're, these are real problems that still exist. And those problems aren't going to go away with this execution process. But what'll happen is you'll be able to deal with them. You now have an x-ray machine to diagnose where the problem happened and have a simple way to deal with it. So we are going to have one more episode in this series next week. We're going to talk about steps eight, nine, and 10. And, and, you know, this is a really big deal when you, when you look at this holistically, 
and you start to put your attention on the micro details of it, your business will stand apart from other companies because again, most people are just going so quickly that that they're not taking the time, you know, bit by bit by bit to be thorough. And and like we mentioned in an earlier episode, it doesn't matter how fast you can run if you drop the baton, right? It doesn't matter how good your installer is if the expectations of the work they were doing wasn't set properly. It doesn't matter how good your salesperson is if the installer in the field messes it up. Everything is interconnected. And what we want to do is build momentum to give an installation team confidence to do their job. The installation team has got to be confident. And by following this process, you can start to build it. Now, if this podcast has been a blessing for you and you want to support it financially, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash it's fire time. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash it's fire time. And as we're starting to get into the the meat of this season, you know, I've been I've been talking a lot internally with the team at the Firetime Network and talking with folks as we start looking at, you know, the launch of what the Firetime magazine is going to have in 2022 our upcoming workshops and and it's super exciting. So I, I just want to tell you thank you. You know, as you as you listen to this podcast and read the Firetime magazine, it, the the community that that we are building is is growing and it, and it's just amazing to think about what's in store. So I hope that you have an amazing rest of the week that you can work on executing these two steps of the process and we will be back with more very soon. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time. <laughs>